You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. I'm so glad to have you with us. Listen, I'm in my leadership edition of the How to Win, and I want to help you to take your leadership to another level. I began a series entitled Leading Yourself, and we're in part three of this series. It's a four-part series, and we're talking about personal discipline. Wow, this is our second lesson. So in lesson one, we defined self-discipline. We gave you three definitions. We won't go back over that in this episode. And I introduce you to a statement, and then we're going to pick up. I said that there are two. This was in our last episode. There are two character traits of a self-disciplined leader. We said that self-disciplined leaders embrace the concept of commitment. And we spent our last episode talking about commitment. But the second characteristic trait of a self-disciplined leader is that self-disciplined leaders are not easily distracted. That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. We're going to talk about distractions. If you were with us in our last episode, I said that this part of our series, Leading Yourself, has really challenged me. And now I'm getting further into why I said that, because we're going to talk about distractions. We all deal with distractions. Luke chapter 9, verse 62 in the Living Bible says, Anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's Jesus speaking. Many of us leaders today find it increasingly difficult to focus on what matters most. Now, notice the statement. Notice what I said. I said many of us leaders find it increasingly difficult to attend to or focus on what matters most. Isn't that true? I don't know about you. But I'm in my leadership journey, and it is a challenge. It has been a challenge for it from day one. And I'm over into 40-some years of leading, and I still find it increasingly difficult to focus, to attend to what matters most We're talking about distractions. Self-disciplined leaders are not easily distracted. 
The law of distraction states that the more distractions we have, the less we achieve. The law of distraction states the more distractions we have, the less we can achieve. Why is that true? That's true because energy flows where our attention goes. Say that. Energy flows where our attention goes. Therefore, the more distractions we have, the more diluted our focus becomes. The more distractions we have, the more diluted our focus becomes. Distractions are expensive. They cost us, you and I, leaders, valuable time. They cost us energy. They cost us the energy to engage in quality, meaningful thinking. Distractions. You know I like words. So is definition time. So what is a distraction? A distraction is anything that takes your focus off what you're supposed to be doing. Anything that takes your focus off of what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, Samson, a biblical leader, anointed by God, called by God, but his leadership stewardship ended prematurely because he became distracted. What is a distraction? A distraction is anything that gets you to turn aside from God's commands, plans, and word. Anything that gets you to turn aside from what God commands, turn aside from God's plan, turn aside from God's word. I'm reminded of the leaders of the human race, Adam and Eve, they got distracted. Eve got distracted by the serpent. Adam got distracted by his wife. And they both turned aside from what God had commanded. They turned aside from what God had planned. They turned aside from God's word. What is a distraction? A distraction is anything that pulls you away from your calling. All of us, you and I, we have a calling. God has a purpose for your life. It's a calling. There's something that God has designed for you to do in the earth, and only you can do it. A calling, but a distraction pulls us away from our calling. I'm thinking now of Demas, who was a co-laborer with the great apostle Paul. 
he was a minister of the gospel, possibly an apostle, possibly a prophet, possibly a teacher, but he was a leader in the church. And Paul said that Demas left the ministry because he loved this present world. Demas got distracted. What is a distraction? A distraction is anything that pulls you away from your leadership responsibilities. Anything that pulls you away from your leadership responsibilities. And remember, when we talk about leadership, we talk about leadership in the home, leadership at school, leadership at work, leadership in the business arena, leadership in military uh, uh, arena, leadership in politics, leadership in education, leadership in athletics. A distraction is anything that pulls you away, fathers, pulls you away, mothers, pulls you away, spouses, from your leadership responsibilities. It may be people that pulls you away. It may be relationships that pull you away from your leadership responsibilities. It may be business ventures. It may be your social life. It could be sports. I have a sports background. Sports can pull you away. Some of you, you love golf. Golf can pull you away. Social media can pull you away. Technology can pull you away. Push notifications. Some of you, you're on your phone all the time. You can't focus on a conversation without some notification. Your phone is notifying you. This incoming email uh, it can be too many meetings. Leaders can be a distraction. Pull you away. Anything that pull you away from your leadership responsibilities. When I go to the Word of God, the Bible, remember our leadership uh, journey is based off biblical principles. In Mark 4, verse 18 through 19, Jesus is teaching a parable that we call the parable of the sower. And he says, the farmer went to sow seed, and some seed fell by the wayside. Some seed fell on stony ground. Some seed fell in thorny ground. Some seed fell in good ground. Well, in Mark 4, verse 18 through 19, He's talking about the thorny ground hero. And in this part of the text, Mark 4, 18 through 19, in the New King James Version, he introduces distractions. And in this text, we see that there are three categories of distractions. Allow me to read the text to you. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes 
unfruitful. Here, Jesus introduces three categories of distractions. And I want you to think about these distractions in a leadership context. He introduces distractions of the mind, distractions of our priorities, and distractions of our time, mind, priorities, and time. When he talks about the cares of this world, he's talking about distractions in our mind. He's talking about worry to be pulled in different directions in our thinking. You can't be an effective leader in worry at the same time, and especially as a Christian leader. You cannot, pardon, you cannot be an effective leader and be distracted in your mind full of worry, full of anxiety. It destroys your ability to focus. Leaders are focused individuals. But if you're pulled in all kinds of directions, worried about this, worried about that, worried about this, worried about that, worried about this, worried about this, then you're distracted in your mind. The cares of this world also would include being weighed down by responsibilities. And many of these responsibilities are legitimate responsibilities. Martha in uh, Luke chapter 10 was weighed down by responsibilities. And then Jesus introduces us to distractions of our priorities. He called these distractions the deceitfulness of riches. Not riches, but the deceitfulness of of riches. He didn't say that riches are bad. He said the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches has to do with economic pursuits, economic pursuits. And these economic pursuits pulls us away. Remember that those words are connected to our definition of distractions. These economic pursuits pulls us away from God's word, from our specific calling, and from our relationship priorities. God, family, church, relationship priorities. So deceitfulness of riches pulls us away from God's word. As a leader, God's word, and as a Christian leader, God's word should be the foundation of your leadership. Christian leaders base their decision-making, their actions, their reactions, their plans, their strategies on biblical principles. Really, God intends for the Christian leader to live out of his or her spirit. Thy word have I hid in my heart, the Bible says. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of your heart flows the issues of life, the forces of life. So the believer, Christian believer, who's in a leadership role, should be leading out of his or her spirit, putting the word of God in your spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to direct you out of your spirit in accordance with God's word. But the deceitfulness of riches pull you away from God's word. The deceitfulness of riches pull you away from your specific calling because you can't be focused. You're pulled over here. You're trying to do this and you're trying to do that. And you got this and you never focus on anything. You never get anything accomplished because you're oh so scattered. It pulls us away. The deceitfulness of riches pulls us away from relationship priorities. And the, the scripture tells us, let everything be done decently and in order, rank, sequence. A comes before B, B comes before C, one comes before two, two comes before three. Let everything be done in order, in sequence, in rank. So in our relationship, there should be order in our relationship. God should be first. Our spouse should be second. Our children should be third. I'm a believer. I believe that our church should be fourth because whoever we're sitting under, our pastor, and the spiritual environment that we're in will impact our other decisions in life. So that's why I pull church up there, because that environment is impacting us in all other arenas, whether we realize it or not. That's why it's so important to be in a good church and be a member of a good church. But these deceitfulness of riches, these economic pursuits will pull us away from our First priority, God, will pull us away from our second priority, our spouses, pull away from our third priority, our children, and pull us away from our church. Some Christian leaders don't have time for church. They don't have time for their spouse. don't have time for their children. don't have time for God. That's the deceitfulness of riches. The word deceitful is an interesting word. Before we go on to the next distraction, the word deceitful is an interesting word. And he qualifies or defines or describes these kinds of riches. He calls them deceitfulness of riches. And the word deceitful means a delusion, a false appearance, a lure. L-U-R-E, something that attracts us with the promise of reward, the false promise of reward and pleasure, deceitfulness of riches, a false blessing, an open door that God did not open, the deceitfulness of riches. These economic pursuits would include maybe a job offer, that pulls you away from God, pulls you away from your family, pulls you away from your, it could be a promotion. It could be an educational goal. As a pastor, I've taught for years that God wants us to be successful in every arena of life. And a part of being successful is to develop our minds 
as far as we can, along with developing our spirits. But I've seen members who would allow their educational pursuits to pull them away from the word and pull them away from their families and pull them away from church because they tried to get this degree and that degree and this degree and that degree. And they're not building that they're pulled away from relationship priorities. So it could be a business or investment opportunity. These economic pursuits can be partnerships. So there are three categories of distractions. The cares of the world has to do with our minds. The deceitfulness of riches has to do with economic pursuits. And then there are the desire for other things, which has to do with a distraction of our time. Things that take us away and rob us of time. These desires of other things has to do with enjoyments. Say enjoyments, things that we enjoy doing. Good things, maybe good things that we enjoy doing, like video games or computer games. Sports can be something we enjoy. Recreation can be something we enjoy. Social media, something we enjoy. TV, movies, and I love movies. Parties, social life. These are things, if we don't manage our time, will rob us of time. Rob our time. Great leaders value their time. And there are things that will rob you of time. For example, I'd encourage you to take this leadership journey with me. But it is going to require you investing in time. Listening to my podcast, reading leadership books, taking leadership courses. It's going to take time to develop your leadership capacity. But distractions will rob you of the time that it takes. Distractions, distractions. Oh my goodness, this lesson challenges me. I have to work hard to overcome the distractions. And you have to work hard to overcome distractions. So the rest of the way, I want to talk a little bit about root sources of distractions. And you have to be able to recognize these distractions. And you're going to have to fight your way through these distractions the rest of your leadership journey. And how disciplined you are to overcome and how committed you are to overcome these distractions will determine your level of success as a leader. So let's look at, you know, I love the number seven. I want to give you seven root sources of distractions. Number one, doing good things rather than God things. Doing good things rather than God things. 
Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Jesus had come over to Martha's home. Martha was related to Mary, her sister. And Jesus brought his disciples. They came over to the house. And the scripture says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching, but Martha was cumbered or distracted with the service, preparing the meals and cleaning and doing all the things, setting the table and all the things. And the Bible says she was pulled away and she got frustrated at Mary because she felt like Mary should have been helping her. So she went to the Lord and she was angry. She says, don't you care that, Ma, that Mary has left me to do all this work for you? And, and Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, Martha, you're carefully troubled about many things. The cares, uh, legitimate responsibilities were pulling her away from relationship priorities. Here Jesus is right there in the midst. What it would be like to sit at the feet of Jesus in the flesh. And here she's pulled away to preparing a meal and missing out on what Jesus is saying. She was doing good things, but it was not God things. As a pastor, and like I said, a pastor for over 42 years, as a pastor, one of my challenges as a pastor was to stay focused on what God was instructed me to do and not get involved with a lot of good things. Because in ministry, like in other arenas, it's a lot of good things we can do. But success in ministry and success in life has to do with fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has established for your life. Doing good things rather than God things. Did that speak to you? Are you doing good things instead of God things? If you're doing good things, rather than God things, then you're being distracted by good things. And yes, you can be distracted by good things. Number two, the second source of distractions is similar to uh, the first one. The second uh, root source of distractions is what I'm calling need-based mandates. Say that. Need-based mandates. Now, there's a motto in the world that many people embrace, and that is find a need and fill it. That's what people say. Find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. Have you ever heard that? Uh, you ever heard that? You know, the more I think about that, I'm not sure about that. The reason why I'm not sure about that motto, find a need and fill it, because there are so many needs. Think about it. If you're going to find a need and fill it, you're going to always have needs coming your way. So how are you going to be focused if you're always finding a need and fill it? Now, I know they're probably saying something else there, but think about it. Find a need and fill it. Well, I don't think God intends for us, you and I, 
individually to meet every need. And that's why leaders are successful, because they're focused. They're focused. They don't just try to fill everybody's needs. I'm from the ministry world, the church world. So I'll say this to you pastors. You're under no obligation to fulfill all the needs of your members, everything that they bring to you about this need, we can do this, we can do that. You're never going to be successful trying to be a Walmart minister. Walmart, you can find just about everything. Superstore, you can find just about everything. You can find garden supplies. You can find pet food. You can find some clothing. You can find groceries. You can, just, just everything. But you're not called, Pastor, to be a Walmart superstore. You're called to spend time with God, find out what God wants you to do, and he wants you to give it your best shot in that area, and he'll bless the works of your hands, which means you're not called to win your whole city. So get that out of your head. He's raising up other pastors, and they have an assignment, and this pastor have an assignment, this pastor have an assignment. And when everybody does what they're called to do, when everybody do what they're called to do, then the city will be reached. Need-based mandates. A third distraction, root source of distraction, is impatience. Impatience. Sometimes, that's what I mean, that, that it, we got to resist the impulses, you know, sometimes we have these emotional impulses and we get distracted because we're impatient and we don't want to wait. And that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 16, chapter 16, verse 1 through 6. God instructed, uh, told Abraham and Sarah that I'm going to bless you with a son. Go come out of Sarah's womb. And they waited 10 years and then they got distracted. They, 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 they lost their discipline to wait and they created an Ishmael. Sarah gave Abraham her handmaiden and he had a baby by uh, Hagar, Ishmael. Some, someone that God never intended to come into the picture. And we get so, we, ha we create so many Ishmaels because we're impatient. Are you creating an Ishmael? I just feel an unction to stop right there. Number four, the fourth source, root source of a distraction is, is workaholism. Oh, oh, my goodness. No, you didn't say workaholism. Yes, I did. Because in, in our culture, especially in America, and I, I, I take it in many cultures, we, we celebrate workaholism and we, we talk and we encourage, we tell people, I did this, I work 18 hours a day, 18 hours a day, 20 hours a day. You can't be successful uh, unless you work in 18, four or five jobs. You, you got all this stuff going. No, no, no. Listen, workaholism is a classic, subtle form of distraction. In fact, workaholism is under the curse that came in the earth through the fall. Genesis 3, 17, the latter part of the 17th verse through the 19th verse in the New King James Version. God said, as a result of the fall to Adam, curses the ground for your sake. 
in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the fields, in the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. All this sweat and working five and ten jobs and all this working 20 hours a day, that is a distraction. That is not God's plan. It's not God's plan for you to work 20 hours a day. I don't care what anybody told you. Listen to me carefully. Work a holiday. Make a mental note of this. Write this down. Put this somewhere. Work a holiday. Rob people of the integrated life that God planned for them, planned for you. God's plan for you is that you live an abundant life. And the abundant life is an integrated life. It's an integrated life. You are more than just your work and you're more than money. Listen, you have a spiritual life God wants you to live a thriving, prosperous, successful, spiritual life. You have a personal life. I mean just your life. God wants you to develop your life. He wants you to 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 care for your personal life, which would include your exercise and recreation and all those things, just your personal life. Your, you have personal friends, and then there's your family life. There's your spouse if you're married, and your children and your relatives. That's a part of the abundant life. And then there's your professional life. And, and that's your career. And then there's your, God wants you to live a long life. And workaholism is going to rob you of the integrated life. Sure, you may be successful in your career, but it's going to rob you of something with your relationship with your spouse, rob you of something in your relationship with your children, rob you of something in your health, rob you of something in in some other area of your life, it will shorten your life. Workaholism will shorten your life. God wants you to live a long life. It's an integrated life. And workaholism is symptomatic of an undisciplined life. Oh, ho, ho, ho. You better, you better say that again. I will say it again. If you are a workaholic, I'm going to slow down. If you are a workaholic. You are living an undisciplined life. Did you get that? Did you get that? The fifth root source of distractions is what I'm calling worthy but untimely opportunities. I believe that God gives opportunities to his people. But I believe that there are worthy but untimely opportunities. Some people are distracted by opportunities. They're untimely opportunities. They're unworthy opportunities. What's an untimely opportunity? What is an unworthy opportunity? It's an opportunity. Make a note of this. It's an opportunity that does not fit is an opportunity that does not fit. Fit what? It's an opportunity that does not fit your condition, 
It does not fit your value system. It does not fit your resources. It does not fit your season, the season that you're in. It does not fit your vision. There are opportunities that will come your way, and even Satan will bring opportunities your way to distract you, to pull you away. Life will bring you opportunities. They, they don't fit your condition. They don't fit the season that you're in. They don't fit your resources. They don't fit your value system. They don't fit your vision. Worthy, but untimely opportunities. The sixth root source of distractions is the inability to say no. Great leaders don't say yes to everything. They just don't. And some of you, you struggle saying no. And then finally, you're going to be surprised at this. But the seventh root source of distractions is growth. G-R-O-W-T-H. Growth. Growth. Growth will multiply your distractions. And that's why you have to have self-discipline. So as you grow, because God wants you to grow, then you have to be able to recognize what is a distraction and what is not one. Self-disciplined people are not easily distracted. So let's stop here as I close. I want to ask you a few questions. In this episode where we dealt with distractions, did anything stand out? Was any one point that stood out to you? Was there an aha moment, a revelation, something you didn't see, something you didn't recognize, something you didn't know? Was there a confirming word, something that confirmed the directions you're moving in, that God is saying you're, you're, you're on the right track? Finally, what are you going to do with this? How are you going to act on this information? How are you going to apply it? Is there anything you can apply to your life? Is there anything you need to change after hearing this? Is there a principle you can teach somebody else? Listen, i got to close. My time is up. My time is up. But I am enjoying this leadership journey with you. Thank you for taking it with me. And I look forward to uh, spending time in our next episode.